Well, we're excited uh, for just in a little while, we're going to uh, have our annual meeting. So excited for that. Um, hopefully you are too. I saw a lot of really good goodies that you all brought. Thank you for doing all that. Excited to do that. Well, we, we also have another treat for you this morning. What a transition that was. That's a good one. We have a tra- <laughs> we have a trans we have another uh, uh, treat for you here this morning. Uh, we are gifted to have our guest speaker with us. His name is Alex Seidler. You probably remember him. He's been serving at Elam Fellowship as the missions director for uh, a long time, a uh, long time here, years. And the, him and his wife Jody are going to be transitioning just uh, in a few short months here to full-time missions, full-time missions. That I'm going to let you let him tell you more about that. But God is doing incredible things with him. Uh, he's been a close friend of mine since back in 2002 when we met, and his brother was my RA for uh, Elon Bible Institute, and I became friends with him in Belvedere, New Jersey. So if you please give a nice, warm PCF welcome to Alex Seidler. Thank you, Pastor Josh. You left out a very important part, Josh, is that we were roommates at college, and so... Yeah, and so if you want to learn more about that, uh, actually his wife Jessica and I have a website together. It's called I Live With Josh Whippy and I'm Still In Therapy.com. You can go to that. You can subscribe. There's weekly, daily updates and videos. I think the Whippies are also, you guys contribute as guest, uh, guest writers for that uh, blog there. But thank you, Pastor Josh. I love you. It's good to be here, Pioneer, isn't it? The sun's out. The guns are out. Let's go. Too soon. Stop. Okay, down, 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 down. But listen, I believe that God is doing something amazing in this hour, and what I'm going to talk to you today about is from John 4, and the whole theme of what I'm going to talk to you about this morning is, it's harvest time. Say it with me. It's harvest time. Say it again. It's harvest time. And what I'm going to try to do during this morning is kind of poke and prod and provoke you to a few emotions. You might get really... Uh, a little, so you might get really triggered and kind of like, okay, Siler, sit down. You know, we'll invite you again next year, just one time a year or in a couple of years. Or I hope to inspire you to passion and excitement to understand what God is doing in this hour. As Pastor Josh said, I'm the global missions director. My wife Jody's here. Say hi to Jody. She's our uh, mobilization and international director. And we have two little foster boys. There's Elliot. Elliot, can you wave to the people? Say hi, everyone. There's Ellie. He's uh, just turned three years old. And then Kylo is, I'm not sure where Kylo went. Where did Kylo go? He's downstairs, praise God. He uh, is one and a half, he's gonna be two soon. And uh, in, in our jobs, what we get to do is awesome. We get to travel the world, preach the gospel, but also see what God is doing in many, many different places. Can I tell you what God is doing right now? God right now is doing the very thing I'm talking about this morning of it's harvest time. God is awakening his church to ask you to lift up your eyes from all the nonsense around you that distracts you and discourages you and gets you all doom and gloom and lost in Leviticus and it's all over and oh man, if I hear one more thing about all the other political stuff and all that stuff, you get lost in all the stuff that matters but it's not the central truth. Friends, here is the central truth. Is, is this all right? The, the kingdom of God is growing. The kingdom of God is expanding. The church is getting more beautiful. Even though you're like, okay, that's news to me. I thought we were losing. No, we're winning. We're winning. Now, 
If you watch the news or you read a lot of stuff, you think it's all going downhill. Oh, listen, the Bible says as the world gets darker, the light will get brighter. Hello. So when everything goes chaotic around us, I don't go, oh, no, what are we going to do? I say, God, this is the moment we were made for. The church is meant to be the brightest light possible. We sing it from the time we're young. Hide it under a bushel. I'm going to let it. And then we get older and we forget it. And whether you know it or not, all of us have bushels that we kind of start to step away from the very thing that God has called us to. And the very thing that God has called us to is to be the gospel and to be the light and love of Jesus wherever we go and wherever we are. We were missionaries in China for 12 years. I've been the global missions director for Elam for six years. So we've had 18 years of missions under our belt. And here's what I've learned from all those 18 years of missions going and preaching the gospel and living in countries and visiting places and being with the underground church and trying to mobilize the U.S. to to go overseas and get involved in missions. Here's what I've learned is that the more that you pray, the more God changes you. Over 10 years ago, we had actually an epidemic in our ministry where we had teams of church planning missionaries in some of the biggest Ivy League schools and campuses in China, and we had teams talking to me on the, Jordan and I were leading these teams, they're talking to us on the phone, we're going to visit them in their city, and they're looking at us in the eyes, and they're looking at us, they're saying, Alex, there's no hope for this campus. And we'd go, what do you mean there's no hope for this? Alex, no one on this campus speaks English, and we don't speak Chinese, there's no way we can do our mission. Alex, nobody here on this campus, there's just so you know, there's like 30,000 people on these small Chinese campuses. No one here on this college campus is ready to receive Jesus. We started hearing these things, and they were strongholds of belief. Why? Because they were looking at the soil and the harvest around them and only processing what they see, hear, and feel in the natural. And friends, isn't it interesting that in today's day and age, on these devices, sadly, we can know everything that happens everywhere. There's a little demon on your phone. It's called Facebook, okay? This thing will ruin your life, all right? The entire marriage conference that's coming up, we're just deleting Facebook off of our cell phones, and we're going back home, okay? That's what we're doing at the marriage conference. We can... It's sad that we can know everything about anyone all the time. We're inundated with all the information. Sometimes you can start to look at your own life, and you start to sound like those missionaries 10 plus years ago and go, Alex, America's not ready for revival. America's ready for judgment. I'm like, bro, dude, lay off the Leviticus, homie. Like, chill, dude. Like, do you know that Jesus came and, like, brought life, and we're living in the New Covenant and the New Testament, and, like, we're living in this amazing age of the gospel of grace exploding around the world. It's the most exciting time to be alive. But what happens is you get overwhelmed. And 10 plus years ago, we were dealing with, dealing with people that were overwhelmed. And we started realizing it doesn't matter how much I resource them with evangelism tools, there's something in them that believes no one's going to get saved. 
as much as we inspire them with vision and scripture and try to model it for them, let me go, let me go on college campus and get out there with you and show you how to do ministry and share the gospel and love on people. It didn't matter because something was deep down inside. So this is what we did. We were so desperate, we started to pray. Can someone say hello? Isn't it good when you run out of all of your ideas and you're like, okay, God, you have to do it. And he's like, thank you. We should have started there, okay? What we said is, guys, no ministry for three months. We stopped everything, and we said, let's pray and fast and ask God to do something amazing. We prayed for three months. No ministry, no evangelism. We prayed, we worshiped, we asked God to move. We called forth revival. We asked God to do something amazing. And then three months went by, zero fruit. I said, all right, guys, let's do another three months. Let's do this again. Six months of prayer and worship, a whole semester almost of just deep intercession and crying out to God, God, would you do something awesome? And at the end of six months, revival came. And we saw more students saved in the next semester than the previous five years combined. 500 plus students. 500 students who had no idea who Jesus was gave their lives to Christ in that next semester. It was absolute revival. It was mayhem. People were getting saved. They want to start churches. They just got saved last week. They, they lead, that student will lead five of their friends to Christ. It was absolute mayhem. But can I tell you what changed after six months of prayer and asking God to move? What happened was, is what I said previously, God changed us. God came in and heard our prayer for revival and said, my, my sons, my daughters, I'm always wanting to see fresh revival and a fresh move of God being poured out. That is who I am. I want to see it happen. What needs to happen is you come into alignment with that same thing. And I'm telling you, in today's world, can I, man, I'm not going to call churches out. We're not here to do that or, or, or famous pastors. But can I tell you how sad it is to see the most famous Christian leaders that we all know and maybe some of us followed just continue to fall into sin time and time again. They're like 60, 70 plus years old and at the end of their career, they're just tanking and falling off the cliff. Friends, the world thinks that we're a joke. Do you realize that? They look at us and go, okay, you're say you promised us freedom and you promised us fulfillment and you promised us joy and then you're kind of like Christian celebrities that have all the millions of followers. They're just as messed up as us. You're just getting paid to do it as a pastor. It's like, whoa, okay. What's happening? What's happening is the world is waiting not for a religious entity. The world is relating for someone just like you. Jesus with skin on to be the hands and feet of Christ, and to say, listen, I don't have it all together, but I have a perspective of my world, and my perspective is simply this. It is harvest time. And regardless of what you see in the world around you, regardless of the soil and the harvest and what you hear and what people are telling you, regardless of what that looks like, God wants to release something to you today to get you from being a spectator to check into the game. Now, I have an illustration this morning. Elliot, I'm sorry. I'll give it to you afterwards, okay? Does anyone know the name of this car from Cars? Sarge. Good job, Ellie. You can come get Sarge from Daddy. Come here. You want to get Sarge? Give it up for Elliot right here, baby. Very brave. Come get Sarge. We were, we were ministering in Connecticut, and we were at an Airbnb, 
And I don't know what time it was. When you're traveling around and going, it's just, it's, time is just meaningless to us right now. So I don't know what time it is, but we're watching YouTube. And how many of your kids love watching other kids play with toys? Isn't this crazy? Like, this is not like, Josh, you and I grew up, we play with sticks in the backyard. You know what I'm saying? Usually beating each other with them with like all our friends. Like, that's what we did. But these days, YouTube has created an entire generation that kids that love watching other kids play with cars. And why I held up that Sarge is because in Connecticut, Elliot was holding Sarge, that very one, watching a YouTube video of a kid playing with Sarge. And he's crying. I come downstairs from the Airbnb. My son is just crying, looking at the TV. He's holding Sarge, and he's saying, Daddy, Daddy, I want to play with Sarge. I want to play with Sarge. And I go, Son, look what's in your hand. And today, we have churches full of people holding the gifts, holding the promises, holding the anointings, holding the callings, holding everything that they need. We have churches full of people sitting in seats, looking at the stage, saying, I want to play with Sarge. I want to play with Sarge. And God is saying to the church right now, look what's in your hand. Look what you have. See, sadly, our churches today, we've created spectators without even knowing it. We've created a YouTube scenario. Actually, doctors have studied this phenomenon with kids. And what happens is when they watch another kid play with a toy, it activates the pleasure centers in their brain to deceiving them that they're the ones playing with the toy. And they receive all the fulfillment and charge like they were the one doing it. And I see the church all around the world, we've done, we, we've done the same thing, sadly, is we've created systems that all of our people feel like they're a part of doing the thing when they're not really part of doing the thing. You see, what, what, what happens is when we elevate one pastor or one leader and they become doing all the ministry and they're the ones that do salvation, and they're the, when, when we become one person-centric, as, as you've seen, all it takes is for that one person. Good, we have an altar call already. Come on, Pastor Josh. Okay. <laughs> it's working. Hallelujah. <laughs> when, when one person falls, it's like a domino effect. Can I tell you, if the world is sick of it, and if, friends, if you're just like me, just a, a follower of Jesus that has issues, if you're sick of it, imagine how much more God is just sick of it, of seeing us become in, in like an idol, a, a celebrity idol of, of Christianity, and then all the downfall after that, what God wants to do is God wants to mobilize us, you, the body of Christ, from going to a spectator to a ground taker, from a spectator of simply watching the ministry or watching what's going on and feeling you're a part, but you're not really doing anything, to saying, God, you've put something in my hand. God, I've got a calling. God, I've got some anointing. I've got a passion. I have a skill set. Now, God, instead of me complaining of why they're not using me, I'm going to offer it up to you. That's what, when it's harvest time, it means that all hands need to be on deck. It needs every single person involved. So we're going to look at John 4, verse 35. And this comes right after a very, very famous passage of Scripture, which is the woman at the well. Do you guys know that story, the woman at the well? 
I like to picture like an episode of Jerry Springer. It's like a woman's on stage, five husbands comes out. It's like, oh my goodness, who's the father? I feel like it's kind of like that. It's like Jesus is meeting this woman at the well. There's, a, there's an amazing confrontation of like her sin is exposed, but she feels loved and she feels mercy and she feels grace. And then Jesus says to her, now, uh, you're forgiven, and she goes, I need to go and tell everybody about what happened here. So she runs into town. Imagine, imagine being one of her, her people that is like one of her side guys, and she runs into town, and she says, come meet the man who told me everything about me. He told me all of my sin. You'd be like terrified and sweating, be like, I don't want to meet that guy. I want to stay far from that guy. But she encountered such grace and such mercy and such love in that moment, she just had to go and tell and share about the man who knew everything about me and loved me still. And now we look at verse, let's go up to verse 27. That's just an amazing story, the woman at the well. And in verse 27 it says this, and at this point his disciples came and they marveled, marveled that he talked with a woman, kind of like Josh freshman year at EBI. I was like, wow, Josh, you did it. You worked up the nerve, and you talked to a girl. I'm so proud of you. And then I said, yet no one asked, why do you seek, and why are you talking with her? The woman left her water pot, went on her way in the city, and said to the man, here it is, come see a man who told me all the things I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out to the city and came to him. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat. I'm not sure if anyone's preached on that verse before that you've heard of, Rabbi Eat. But have you guys ever seen the Snickers commercial, You're Not You When You're Hungry? Aren't those the best? It's like some sort of diva losing their mind, and then they have a bite of a Snickers bar, and it turns out it's like a little, a little cute, like a little cute ballerina or something. It's supposed to, like, when you're, when you're hungry, you're not yourself. This is the original Snickers commercial. The disciples see Jesus interacting with a Samaritan woman. And they're like, why would Jesus be doing this? Oh, he must be hungry. Like, you're not you and you're hungry. So they come to go, have you eaten Jesus? Like, you're kind of acting crazy. And Jesus says this. He says in verse 32, he said, I have food to eat which you do not know of. Meaning Jesus has snacks, okay? He, just like your wife, she has areas of the house where she stores things so, men, we can't find them. Now, Jody does this. I know where all her snacks are. I don't tell her that I know. I just nibble one at a time. You don't want to let her know that you see her stash, okay? But Jesus is saying, I have food to eat which you do not know of, which further uh, confuses the disciples. In verse 33, they go, okay. Then they said to another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? So they say, Rabbi, eat. We don't understand your behavior. Why are you talking with a Samaritan woman? Rabbi, eat. Jesus says, I have food to eat which you do not know of. Then they go, okay. Has anyone brought him anything to eat? They're really confused. Jesus says this, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. You see, the disciples were trying to evaluate a situation with their own natural understanding. And Jesus is responding with a spiritual principle. See, the disciples saw it one way. Jesus saw it another. When you look at the world around you and the world that we live in, and the chaos that's going around, you can see it two ways. You can see it in a natural way, but I'm telling you, man, that, that leads you to getting really introspective, really paranoid, really doom and gloom. You can see it the natural way, or you can see it the supernatural way. 
And the supernatural way is to lift your eyes up and look out beyond the very circumstance you're seeing in the natural and believing, God, you're in this thing. God, you're behind this thing. God, you're moving in ways that I don't see right now in front of me, but I have to trust you. You see, the reason why the disciples were so confused, I joke about the Snickers like, you're not you and you're hungry, but the reason why they were so confused, this is a Samaritan woman. You know, you know how the Jewish people felt about Samaritans, right? You know the story of, of the good Samaritan. The story of the good Samaritan isn't scandalous because because there was a man walking down the road, and there's a man bleeding and dying, and that man who's like a lead pastor crosses the road. It's not because the lead pastor was called out. It's not because the worship leader, Little Laird, the worship leader with his earbuds in is doing a six set, uh, like, like an awesome like worship medley, and he's typing it out on his phone in planning center, and then there's a person dying, bleeding on the road, and he kind of like crosses the road. It wasn't because the outreach pastor, we're the worst kind, the outreach pastor goes down and fakes a phone call and goes to the other side of the road. It's not because the professional ministers didn't help the person. The reason why that story was so scandalous and the Christian leader or the, the, uh, the, the religious leaders of the day were so inflamed, it's not because they were the ones getting called out. It's because Jesus made a Samaritan man the hero of the story. They lost their minds, not because they got shade put on them, but because the person, the type of person they were taught to despise from the time they were younger came and picked up this person and brought him to the hospital and paid for the bill and made sure that they got hold. That's why the religious leaders, they lost their minds because the people they were trained to hate and despise, Jesus made that person the hero. So when the disciples see Jesus hanging out with a Samaritan woman, you have to understand the emotional trigger that they're going, first of all, there's a few things here culturally you don't do. She's at, she's at if you study it, the, she's at the well at the wrong time of day. There was a time of day where you got water from the well when all the ladies would be there, and it was like a little small group. They'd be getting water and sharing about stuff, and she was there by herself. That means she didn't want community. Two, you didn't have interactions one-on-one with a woman back in the day. That's a a big no-no. But thirdly, she was a Samaritan woman. That's why in this passage, the disciples are going, Jesus, what are you doing? Because culturally, you're violating everything we feel is right. Jesus, have you eaten? I got food you don't even know about. What? Are you sure you haven't eaten, Lord Jesus? Not some hummus, some Stacy's pita chips? Like, what do you need, bro? We will hook you up. And he goes, my, no, you don't understand. My food is to finish and do the will of him who sent me. And then, friends, we get to verse 35, which is what the crux of what I'm talking about this morning. And then Jesus says this. Do you not say... There are still four months, and then comes the harvest. That's a rhetorical question, because everybody says that. Do you not say you plant, you water, you wait four months, and then the harvest comes? Jesus says, behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look out to the fields, for they are already white for harvest. Jesus is saying, whatever you see around you, 
Whatever your circumstance looks like, it could be a barren field, it could be right now a little bit of a snow-covered frozen field, whatever the situation of your life around you, you have to understand, I'm asking you to lift up and look out and realize that it's harvest time. And it's not just harvest time. Jesus says the phrase, it is white for harvest. And white doesn't mean this white. White means the top of a grain, when it turns white, what that signifies to a harvester is that it's an absolute emergency. What it means is if it's white at the top, that piece of grain, that piece of wheat, it means if we don't harvest it today, it could spoil tomorrow. Jesus is saying you have to lift up your eyes and look out to the fields and realize there's an emergency of everywhere you look. Right now we have to harvest. Right now we have to go out and be Jesus and be the light and be Christ to the world around us. Why? Because if we don't harvest today, it could spoil tomorrow. Now, are there any farmers here? Can you raise your hand if you're a farmer? I see a hand in the back there. I see a hand here in the middle. Let me ask you a question. Is harvest time fun? It is? Do you sleep less? Yeah. I think for farmers, it's fun, okay? For someone like myself, I was born in the burbs of New York City. Harvest time scares me, because there's late nights, there's fast meals, and there's, there, there, it's more chaotic than you could ever imagine. Harvest time means all hands on deck. We have to go right now. And sadly, in the church, we've built a model where a few people do everything. And the bigger the combine, the less people you need. The bigger the machine, the less hands you need to go out. And friends, I'm telling you, I'm taking an axe to the combine this morning, okay? I'm taking an axe to the thing that prevents the body of Christ moving forward and actually seeing the kingdom of God fulfilled. What we need is not one person to gather millions of people for a revival meeting. What we need are millions of people, just like you and just like me, who are awakened and understand what is in my hand matters, and I don't need to come on stage to make a kingdom impact. I don't need to try to preach. Ever. I, don't, I don't need any of that. What I need to do is look at the world around me and think through, am I seeing it with my natural eyes and I'm actually distancing myself from the very thing God has called me to? Or am I seeing it the way that Jesus sees? And I understand there's an emergency. I understand there's like, there's people waiting for you to come up to them and not give them the Jesus jargon that's going to turn them off. Not give them the, uh, the you know, the, uh, the four spiritual laws, which I love. Hand out tracts, do all the evangelism, go crazy. They're waiting for someone that's a Christian, loves Jesus, but check this out, is really interested in them. Can I give you the best evangelism tool in 2024? You can also get this from our website. I used to live with Josh Whippy. Help me. I have counseling.com. All your monthly payments help us, okay? They help us move on. The best evangelism tool you could ever come up with right now in 2024 is eye contact and a question. Because just like there's a little demon on Facebook on here, there's also all your attention is just on this little puppy all the time. And, and, and you're not looking up to see the world around you. Man, when you put this thing away and you look at someone in the eyes and you ask them, how, how are you doing? 
Not, hey, how are you? That's a fake question. We all know that. We don't want to answer, hey, what's happening? No one cares. When you ask it, hey, how, how are you? What, what's going on in your life? When you do that, people don't know what to do. Christians, we don't even know what to do. If someone asks you, you're like, bro, how much time do you have? A couple days? Like, let's go to cabin together. I'll reveal my heart, okay? Like, I have so much going on in my life. I don't have time. But I'm telling you, that's the best evangelism tool. Check this out. Anointed, undivided attention. The harvest is always ready around you. Here's my question. Are you ready? You, we live our, I don't want to say you, that's not fair. I'm with you. Okay, we, we live our lives so focused on doing ministry. We actually miss ministry. When Jesus was hanging out with Mary and Martha, do you realize Martha was the one that invited Jesus into their home? Martha was the one. Who knows what Mary was doing? She was all like, oh, my goodness, it's such beautiful decor. I don't know what Mary was doing. Marty was outside, and it says she welcomed Jesus into her home. That means she was like locked. Jesus, come here. Come in my house. Eat with us. Hang out with us right now. Martha was the one that brought Jesus in. She was a go-getter. She was a winner. She's like the best volunteer, youth leader, associate pastor you could ever ask for. She's doing stuff. She's getting it done. She brought Jesus inside, but she totally missed it. And she missed it because all of a sudden, working for Jesus, trying to do stuff for Jesus, started to mess with her internal wirings. Are you with me this morning? You don't have to raise your hand. Just blink at me like really fast if you know what I'm saying, okay? Blink in Morse code. Help me. Okay, I'm with you. Ministry has a way to drag you all around and make you wish you never, ever even started. That's what ministry is. Doesn't that sound great? But here's the deal. That, that's, when, that's when you're doing it for you. But man, when you say, God, you put this in my hand. And I don't, I don't want you to use this gift and use this passion and use my life so I feel fulfilled. I want you to use it so your kingdom will grow. I want to use this so someone that doesn't know you, that's far from you, Jesus, I want them to come a little bit closer today. Jesus, I want to come a little bit closer to knowing you in a greater way. When you live your life that way, you've come into a Mary-oriented relationship. And Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you're troubled and worried about many things. But Mary has what? Come on, you know, has chosen. Not like, she, oh, it's her personality profile. It's her gifting. It's her skill set. You know, she's a little bit more pretty than you, Martha. So, you know, it's, no, no, no. It has nothing to do with that at all. Mary has chosen that good part, which what? will not be taken away from her. And friends, if we continue to try to solve the harvest problem in our own strength, it's going to lead to more frustrated, burned out people that want nothing to do with the church, nothing to do with what God's doing in the world, nothing to do with the organized church, nothing. It's going to create people that serve God and leave bitter. But friends, if we have the revelation of, man, it's harvest time, the world around me is waiting for Jesus. The world around me, regardless of what I see and what I sense, the world is waiting for him. True love, true peace, true gospel, true joy. They're waiting for it. If we move forward in his strength, 
with the perspective of, God, I'm doing this for you. I'm putting my hands to the plow to solve this harvest issue with your strength. I'm telling you, it's going to lead to more life and more multiplication of the true gospel than you could ever ask, dream, or imagine. It, I, I remember being, uh, being overseas one time, and I was speaking with someone who was, who, who was, a, who was a Buddhist. And I asked them, I said, hey, um, have you ever heard about Jesus before? And she goes, no, I don't want to hear anything about Jesus. I'm a Buddhist. I go, okay. Um, I was like, do you ever, do you, I said, do you know, I just made something up. I go, do you know if there's five parts to the Jesus story? And she's like, no, tell me more. I'm like, well, I got to make them up now. So I, what, I just do whatever it's going to take to bring in the gospel. I'm like, yeah, the first part is, you know, so I just start making this up. I go, I'm, so I was trying to figure out, like, what part have you heard about Jesus? She didn't know any of them. So I'm like, all right, yeah, there's five parts right here. So I start sharing the gospel with her in five simple ways. And here she is. She's telling me, I'm a Buddhist. I don't want anything to do with Jesus. I'm never going to see Jesus. By the end of my time just talking to her and sharing about the simple ways of Jesus, she's sitting there with tears in her eyes, and she's going, what do I need to do right now to know Jesus? I want to know him. I want to give my life to him. See, friends, if, if you just listen to the soil and the harvest around you, they're all going to shout, we don't want Jesus. We want nothing to do with that. We're tired of this. And you go, okay, I guess you don't. You kind of back away from the harvest instead of leaning into the very thing that God has called you. If you understand it's harvest time, regardless of what's happening around you, regardless of what you're hearing and seeing and feeling and reading and understanding, regardless of the natural what you're seeing, the spiritual principle is that there are people in your life and around you waiting for you. And when you're able to kind of get over yourself, the fear, the pride, the God, man, I don't have any gifts. I don't, listen, if you just read your Bible, it's just people with excuses and God's like, dude, if you'll just lay down those excuses, I'll do something amazing through you. It's just people going like, are you sure you have the right guy? And God's like, I'm not sure, but let's try it out. Like, if you bring me whatever you have, I'm gonna breathe on it. I'm gonna anoint it. I'm gonna multiply it. In fact, I, I think we have, a, we have an epidemic in the church is that we, we, we love to find people, get them into their strengths. We love to help people find their, their best giftings and their best things, and then we only use them in that. When all I read in the Bible is God says, listen, my strength is perfected in your weakness. So people are like, where's the power and miracle working, working wonder of God? Well, are you just working in your strengths and things that you're confident in? Then, of course, you're not going to see the miracle, power, amazing things of God. you got to step out where you feel totally weak, totally empty, totally depleted, and God says, let me do the rest. So whatever excuses you have this morning, whatever reasons, Alex, I still, I'm, I still struggle with this sin. Awesome. Bring it to Jesus. And say, Jesus, I still got this thing. Can you take it from me? Can you heal me? Can you free me? But don't count me out. Use me. Alex, you don't understand, man, the marriages I've been through, the amount of backsliding I've done. I, I, I don't need to hear it. Save it for Pastor Josh and the pastors here, okay? This is what I want you to do, though. Stop bringing it to people and just complaining and dumping. Bring it to Jesus and say, Jesus, man, I got a lot of stuff. If Jesus, you know the wake of my past better than anybody that, 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 that's in this room. But Jesus, can you do something awesome? Can you breathe on it? Can you anoint it? Can you use it for your kingdom and your glory? Alex, I just got saved a month ago. 
Awesome. You're a month ahead of someone that gets saved today. You have everything to offer the world around you. But Alex, I'm not sure. I've served in the past. I got burned out. I said some things. I, I promise I would never. Listen, bring all those excuses to Jesus. This is what he's waiting for. He's not waiting for us to have the best website, the best vision and mission statement, the sweetest core groups and, you know, small groups. Like he, he loves that. He's not waiting for that. Then he's like, okay, you've got it together. I'll move now. No, no, no. He's waiting for you. Say, Jesus, here's me. It's harvest time. My perspective of the world around me over this past scene has, has gotten twisted and somehow I see myself stepping back from the very thing that you've called me to. I see myself, I'm not, I, I'm just in church and I'm a spectator. I'm watching all this stuff happen and I, I like being a part of a, a church where there's life, like pioneer, there's, there's stuff going on. But God, I don't want to be a spectator anymore. I want to step out and I want you to use me. And Jesus, if you can use me in this house, use me. But Jesus, the harvest is out there. If you can use me outside of these four walls, use me, God. Use me not because I'm an awesome Christian and I tithe double once in a while and I never miss a Sunday once. Don't use me because of all the stuff I'm doing right. God, use me in spite of all the stuff that I have in my life. All the, the gunk that I want to hide and not really talk about. Use me in spite of that because I'm going to bring it to you. You're going to breathe on it. That's, it friend, that's the next revival. The next revival is that. The next revival is the body of Christ awakened to its harvest time, removing ourselves from all the excuses that keep us from going after the harvest and then actually stepping out after that very thing. As, as, a, as a pastor and a leader and a minister, I'm not supposed to say this, but we need less people trying to jump into full-time ministry and more people that are followers of Jesus living their lives every day in every sector of society saying, God, can you use me? That's what this means. Because the further you come into ministry, sometimes the further removed you get from the very thing that God has called you to. Is this good? Is this all right? Let's stand together. I was gonna ask the band to come up, but let's not do this. Let's do this dry, okay? Are you with me this morning? I'm telling you, and you guys have been living this at Pioneer. You know it's harvest time. You guys understand. I mean, just look around this room. There's people and families and stories and amazing testimonies of what God's doing. But friends, I'm telling you, there's more. And there's more, and it's not going to come from like, hey, man, let's do this cool SEO uh, you know, a uh, thing on Google where we can reach out to the community to tell more people about our church. Listen, keep, keep on doing it if that's your thing. But I'm telling you, how the harvest is going to come in is th not through a sick campaign of a mailing campaign. How it's going to happen is every single one of us look in that mirror and say, God, this is what you're working with. I need a miracle. This is the skill set. This is what you place in my hand. God, you're telling us there's an emergency in the world around us. You're telling us right now it's harvest time. Right now the world is waiting for you. They might not even know it's you, but they're waiting for you. We need to look in that mirror every day and say, Jesus, here I am. Use me. And I'm telling you, the more he uses you, the more you'll feel used. But then you have the decision to make. Martha worked for Jesus. 
And Mary loved Jesus. As you're used in a fresh way for his kingdom, and as you become move from spectator to harvest, harvest-minded Christian, as you, as you make that fresh commitment and fresh move, you're going to have a decision make after God starts using you. And I pray that all of us in this room always choose the path of Mary. We always say, Jesus, you're the prize. Not just doing ministry, not just doing stuff. Jesus, you and you alone are worth it all. Amen. So if you, want, if you want to respond to this word like myself, I'm responding this morning as well. Just lift up your hands. Jesus, we love you, and we're responding as your bride today, your church, and we're asking you to come and do something amazing in us and through us in this hour. Jesus, we realize that some of us, we've been spectators. We've been watching ministry happen. We've been wearing the jersey and not even sitting on the sidelines. We've been sitting in the stands, and now you're saying, hey, get out of the stands. Come on to the court. I'm checking you into the game. But it's more fun in the stands because you can yell at the coach and you can yell at the players and you can, you know, you can judge a little bit easier when you're not on the bench. It's, it's comfortable being a spectator because there's no skin in the game. But Jesus, we hear your call this morning. We're checking into the game. We're going to become harvest-minded believers. That is not just looking at the world around us and, and judging it and thinking it's all doom and gloom and it's all over and we need this, 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 and this to happen. Jesus, we're saying it's already harvest time. There's an emergency right now. So God, we're lifting up our hands this morning to say, use us for your glory. Allow our eyes to see what you see. Jesus, if there's one prayer that I could say, it'd be saying, Jesus, whatever you saw in John 4.35, when you said to lift up and look out to the fields, Jesus, I'm asking that all of us in this room with our hands up, we would see what you saw. You saw at a supernatural level, a spiritual level, that bypassed the response of the natural world around us. And we're living in a day and age where if we just look at the world around us, it's absolute mayhem. But allow us to look up and look out and see what you see. Because Jesus, I know if this room of people can see what you see, I know that we will do what you did. I know that we will move how you moved. I know that we will love how you loved. But what we see and how we respond matters the most, Lord Jesus. So we say yes to you in a fresh way. Lord, I, I speak right now just prophetically, Lord, to those people that have counted themselves out from doing something great for you, right now, I speak to that heart, and I say, check into the game. Don't make the gospel that puny. Don't make Jesus' amazing forgiveness and grace that small. Understand, he can use you in spite of you. He can use you with all of your weaknesses and all of your frailties and all of your excuses. What he desires is for you to come to him with truth and honesty and humility and say, Jesus, here it is, right here. My arms are out. This is what I got. This is what I'm dealing with. I'm gonna lay it down before you and I wanna trust you. Jesus, I pray for all those people that are torn, that have seen too many things, that have gone too many, they've gone through too many things. Lord, I pray for that heart right now. I speak courage and fresh faith and fresh hope into them, Lord Jesus. May they see what you saw in John 4.35 in a special way. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. Thank you that your kingdom is growing. Your kingdom is ever-expanding. 
And in this next wave of revival, you're not looking for perfect churches. You're not looking for the best leaders. You're looking for harvest hands that are saying, God, I'm in. So we respond to you. We love you. And now empower us to live our lives as harvest hands. In your name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Thank you, Pioneer. Love you guys. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you, Alex, so much. Thank you. Uh, what a blessing that is. It's harvest time, amen? And, it, and listen, don't, don't leave here today and then say, okay, that was a good message. Let's actually start practicing it. There's people in your brain right now that you're thinking about, that coworker that's at work, that person that you see every day when you get your coffee, whatever it is, start stepping out in faith. You're going to have doubts Those doubts happen. Let your faith supersede in spite of your doubts of what's happening because God is asking you to do a job, and he's got a job. So you do what God's called you to do, and he'll do the rest, right? So before you go, real quick, we have our annual meeting after the service. Right next door, we're going to be serving food and things of that nature. However, I want to just make sure that if you are a member, please come. We need to make quorum. We got to make sure that we hit that number uh, for our quorum, which is two-thirds. So don't be like, well, I signed up, but I want to go home and take a nap. Don't. Just come over. We really need you. We're going to feed you members. Come on over. And then when you do come in, I want to pray for the meal real quick, but when you do come in, just go, uh, after you get your food and you settle in, make sure you you go get your packet and you sign in, and that's it. So let me pray, and then I'm going to dismiss you, okay? We're praying for the food and pray for you. Lord, we're so thankful for Alex. Thank you so much for Alex and Jody and the mission that you're doing in them. Lord, I ask right now that you would... uh, You would anoint them, continue, Lord, even a double anointing for what they're about to walk into in the next couple of months. Lord, we're so excited for where you're taking them in the harvest that's going to be a result. We know, Lord, that this will be something for generations that we will look back on and know that, God, you have placed something in them, that you did something special in this power couple. Lord, I pray that the that the uh, the attacks of the enemy, all the things that come, Lord, Lord, that you will protect them, Lord, that you will guide them. Lord, we pray a blessing over them and their family. I pray for wisdom and knowledge that come, can only come from you supernatural wisdom, Lord. Would you give them that? Would you give them supernatural blessings, Lord, we pray, over their lives. Thank you so much for their encouragement that they give. And Lord, I thank you for this church and the meeting we're about to have. Lord, I pray that you bless every every person, and most importantly, Lord, that you would bless the food and uh, as it is into our bodies. Thank you so much for today. It's a harvest, and we're ready. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you go. And please, again, members, we've got a meeting. Let's get her done.